26, I remember, was kind of a pivotal time for me, like where I started getting way more strong and like way more competent in my movement. So I don't know when my prime is, if it's already happened or if it's going to happen later on, but all I know is I'm just going to keep doing it and uh, as long as I can until my body says no. What's up, guys? Today's guest is a professional stunt woman and a Tempest pro athlete. Please welcome to the Jamcast, Sydney Olson. What's up? Welcome back to town. Oh, thank you. You were in Europe for quite some time. It was about four weeks, and that's a very long travel for me. I forget how exhausting it is, um, especially over there, because, like, we never stayed in a spot for more than, I would say, five days, so it just kind of was exhausting to travel around and stuff, but at the same time, like, I'm complaining about something very silly. Did you go with the goal of just sightseeing and exploring, or were you going to, like, get your body adapted to the time difference before the art of motion? No, so interestingly enough, um, there was a jam in Oslo uh, that was going to happen, I believe, like, May 20th or something, and I wanted to go to this, but then also I was going to the Red Bull Art of Motion, which was... A little like a little less than a month later so I thought if I was gonna go to the jam in Oslo I needed to be able to stay over there for a month and then Julian who's helping edit the uh, Kings of the Concrete documentary we have some interviews with certain athletes that happen to live over there Um, so we wanted to make sure that we got the majority of those athletes that we have to do like more background on and so it was really cool to get to have him there and to just kind of help with the interviews and getting to document people's lives it's it's really cool how people live over in Europe. It's so yes. different than how we do over here. So and different. Yeah. My, one of my best friends, Bailey Payne's over there right now. He's been in the UK for like a month and he just keeps calling me like how different the training is and the life and people's schedules comparative to the hustle of, of LA. It's just a little different vibe. So It is. It is. It's much more relaxed over there, I would say, but in, in the best way possible. Totally. Yeah. And we have to obviously congratulate you. I almost said it at the start of the episode, but you just recently were crowned the women's champion of the 2022 Red Bull art of motion also 2019 winner as well i believe yeah thank you thank you very much um it honestly it came as a surprise to me i didn't really go out there with the intention to win this time which is very different than how you would have seen me in the past i was very dedicated to like i want to make sure i win this time and i would do everything possible to do that but i mean this time around i just traveled before then i really didn't get to train that much while we were on the road and um yeah, I just totally didn't expect to win. So when when the competition started happening, I was very surprised to see that this competitive side is still very much in me. Totally. <laughs> just comes back naturally. Yeah, it did. And you're the first person we've spoken to since the competition. Like, what did you think of the new format with the three rounds as opposed to just, you know, one live day of competition? I'll be honest, when I first uh, heard about it, I was not very excited about it. I thought, like, oh, it just seems... It doesn't seem like as fun. It seems like a lot of work and all that. And I just didn't know how to feel about it. But then when we got there, I loved it. Like I loved every bit of it. The exploration challenge, you go out and you basically just training with your friends and you, um, you just get some clips, you get three clips. And one of them, I just did a belly flop in the water because I was already happy with the ones that (laughs) I did. But, but yeah, I forget every time you go out to these events, it's not so much about the competition. It's the fact that you're getting some of the greatest free runners in the world together on a Greek island that's pretty hard to get access to. And just the fact that you're doing that is really, really quite exquisite. So I try and keep that in mind every time I'm doing something like that. And so with that exploration challenge, it was, it was just super fun. 
And then the next day was uh, a video, uh, what do we call it, the spot challenge. Yes, so yes. you get a videographer, and mine happened to be Jesse LaFleur. Such which is, a cool story, yeah. Yeah, it's so perfect, because he and I have made so many, what we would call 24-hour edits or whatever. Yeah. So he and I would, in the past, go to a spot, and we just kind of train, and then he'd make a video in 24 hours. So it's basically exactly what they were asking. <laughs> and um, so on that day, it was just so so cool we got to the spot and they split it up so i think it was i don't even know how many athletes there were i think it was 16 so it ended up being eight and eight okay and yeah it's just really good vibes and i don't know i decided that i really wanted to just go hard for it um in the in the beginning of the video i literally say i just want to go hard as fuck yeah (laughs) and it was the first time I would say since my shoulder injury that I was actually able to do that and feel really comfortable with myself and movement and get my confidence back. So I think that was my favorite day of the event. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the video was cool. And you actually, I think you won that round, right? I did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I won that round. I didn't win the exploration challenge. Lilu did. And okay. many thanks to Lilu for bringing that competitive side back out of me totally. that again, I didn't know existed. Um, all of the girls actually were just, they were so great to be around and to train with. And Lilu especially was, we just kind of stayed together the whole time and like really strategized and I got to know her really well. So, so cool. And then on the final day, the live round of competition, I was watching and I saw you took a spill on your invert side flip at first. And I got really nervous about your shoulder because I, <laughs> funny enough, you and I ran into each other at the doctor's office, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. But um, I saw you take a spill on the invert side and I was like, oh, she all good. Uh, did you sustain any injury during that or were you able to shake it off? Yeah. I OK, so that was very scary for me, too. Yeah. Um, when I had practiced it, I always had like a little tiny pad down and there was a couple times that I landed a little bit shitty and I thought it would be fine. I just realized that like on the Kong up, I have to take my time, Yeah. but I'm sure you understand that like when you're competing, a lot of times you don't feel very present. Like it's hard to understand why, but in that moment, I just wasn't even aware of what was happening. So as I went for the inward, I just saw the ground coming and I landed on my shoulder and thought, okay, now I'm back in my body. Like (laughs) now I'm here competing. Yeah. I was definitely winded. I got up and I felt my shoulder. Um, it, it did hurt. And I was sitting there. I took a moment because you know how, when you fall, everyone gets up immediately. They're like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. But I didn't want to do that because I wanted to make sure I was actually okay first. Yes. And then, so I took a minute and was like, okay, that hurt, but I obviously can keep going. So I was a little nervous about my shoulder after that, but it ended up being really fine. So okay. I kept going and I did it again. I was super happy with how I was able to connect at the second round. I did not want to have to do a third. So totally. <laughs> <laughs> that is one positive. And did you enjoy the format of the shorter lines comparative to like before where it used to be almost like a minute, I guess these were like 10 seconds. Yeah, I really did enjoy the shorter format of it because uh, for me personally, that's very conducive to my style. That's the way I normally train. I don't love to do long lines. I love to just do like bang, 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 um, and no filler in between. And this is just kind of how I train. So it was perfect for me. Wow. So cool. And so like, obviously of all the competitions you've entered, you've won 2022, 2019. You've also won NAPC skill and style. You've also won an air whip, I believe. Right. Um, it does one of those stand out as the most memorable, the one that you're most proud of, or do they all stand out for different reasons in your life? Yeah, I think they all stand out for different reasons in my life. Um, I'm pretty proud of this one just because, like I said, I did not expect that to be a thing. So I was glad that I still have it in me to do that. I'm definitely quite a lot older than the other competitors by like 10 years for the women. (laughs) I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. 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 But NAPC was cool because uh, I won skill as well in 2019. I think a lot of people don't really view me as like also someone that trains a lot of parkour stuff. So uh, people kind of 
view me as someone that trains more flips, but I sort of wanted to prove to myself and others that I can, you know, I can keep up with all of the skill challenges as well. So, and that was something that I didn't expect to win. I just wanted to do well, and it was just kind of icing on the cake in that, and I was very proud of it because it was a huge improvement from the year before. I think in 2018 was the first time I did a skill competition. Okay. And it was okay, but it definitely was something that showed me how much I needed to improve in certain things. And I'm someone that once I find out I suck at something, I will train it until it's a lot better. <laughs> totally. And not to put any undue pressure on you, but do you have plans of going back to defend your title, so to speak? Or do you plan to continue to compete? Or where are you at? Because you're also getting the opportunity at this point in your career to also be a judge at a lot of events as well. Yeah. So up until just what happened, I wasn't really planning on competing anymore. I thought I was kind of done with that and I was totally okay with it. <laughs> I, you know, like I'm married now. I've, uh, I've got a good career in stunts. I've got a lot of things going for me. So I didn't really feel like it was necessary to keep doing that. But then uh, I got invited for NAPC as well to compete because the last time we had it in 2019, uh, they haven't done it since then yeah, because pre-COVID times, yeah, yeah, COVID and stuff. So they were like, "Oh yeah, you're already qualified for skill and style," and it's like, "Well, I'm already qualified. It would be rude not to." <laughs> so people would die for a chance, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's uh, I do plan on going and competing at NAPC in August. Um, obviously, if something work related comes up, I might have to take that instead, but. That for now, it's the plan. And then Art of Motion, I mean, who doesn't want a free trip over to totally. some Greek island and compete? So I think I view competition differently than how I used to. But at the same time, I I have more of a love for it now okay. than what I used to. I think back in the day, there was so much pressure. And now I just feel really relaxed about it, which actually brings out a better competitor in me. Yeah, totally. That's super cool. And so, like, obviously, with NAPC coming up, are you going to approach it the same way you did this, which was basically not training necessarily with the goal of competition in mind? Are you just, like, trying to stay healthy and you just inherently think you'll be ready? Or Yeah, I think eh, it's hard to say. I feel like with skill, I have to try a little bit harder because okay. I've lost a lot of, I would say, confidence in that since my shoulder injury and coming back. I mean, I've I've been back for a little while, but there's certain things like with jumps where I just kind of didn't really get them back yet. So I, I definitely plan on training those with the intent to do well in the competition. But um, as far as style and stuff, I feel like I can just kind of keep doing what I'm doing, which is training with the intent of having fun and fully enjoying the session rather than like, I need to learn this and this and this so that way I can perform it at my best. and and win, <laughs> you know, it's very different. And at this point in your career, like obviously having podiumed and, and won so many competitions, uh, like how did this entire journey start? Like what's the origin story of you within parkour and free running as a sport and how'd you stumble upon it? Oh, it's a long story, so I'll try and make the shorter version That's what we're here it. for, take your time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was a competitive gymnast when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, I, I did that for about seven years. It was something that actually I would say came quite naturally to me when I was about seven. Uh, my sister was a gymnast and I would watch her at her practice and then I would take whatever she was doing and I would go try it in the front yard at my no parents' way. house. Okay. Yeah. So I actually, before I was put in gymnastics, could do a round off back handspring backflip. Oh, crazy. Yeah. And the way I would go for that was I got the round off back handspring and my parents had a hill. Um, so it was kind of like flat and then there was this hill that dropped off. So I said, if I do the back handspring, and then I go for another one on the hill, I don't need to put my hands down, it'll be a backflip. Totally, totally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I would like land on my neck and stuff and my parents were watching and they, 
I, I, I think it's really good that they didn't stop me from trying. Mm-hmm. They just kind of let me do it. And I, I would notice that I would be a little bit scared, but I'd be like, no, no, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> I just keep trying until I got it. So uh, basically, I got put in gymnastics after that. And then that was a very long story of my life. Okay. Um, I'm, I don't want to get into it too much, but it was slightly abusive at my first place that I did gymnastics. And then wow. I moved to a much better gym. But even then, it's gymnastics has this tendency to... Uh, how do I explain it? <laughs> to basically create this version of yourself where you're very like insecure and you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. Heard this commonly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it's nothing against these coaches. It's not like they knew what they were doing at the time, but it's it's something that I look back on and I'm like, yeah, that was that's the reason why I'm like this now. You know. Totally. So after gymnastics, uh, I quit when I was about 14, and I wanted to do other things in life and. Honestly, I just went to school and I did a little bit of snowboarding here and there, but like nothing really physical. And then I was coaching gymnastics and these guys came in, they were doing parkour, but I had no idea what this was. And when I was watching them, they were just doing flips that looked familiar, but they were very different, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) And they were having so much fun. And so I asked if I could join them and I learned like a Webster and I, then a lot of gymnastics moves started coming back for me and I like had this goal of taking them all outside. And so that was kind of how that happened, but it, there was this feeling involved and it was basically the feeling that I had when I was seven, I was trying those things in the front yard. Ah, so that came back to me and okay. that's when I decided that I wanted to pursue this more. Crazy. So that's basically how that happened, long story short. And now I'm just, it's a lot of my life. <laughs> and so how many years do you think you've been like formally training in the sport now? Uh, I've been training for 12 and a half years now, Wow, which crazy. is really crazy. I started when I was 17. Um, I would say the first three years I wasn't really taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of, like I said, getting gymnastics moves back and doing them outside. But then at some point or another, you realize your fundamentals suck, and it's kind of weird if you can do like a double full, but you can't do a you know a con. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So. Uh, yeah. And, and where, where were you? Uh, where was this taking place? Like, where were you born and raised? And when did you eventually make the move out to California? Yeah, so I was born in Port Orchard, Washington, which okay. is a very small town outside of Seattle. I would say it's like across the water, if you know the area. There's a okay. peninsula up there. But yeah, so I was born and raised there and I stayed there up until I was 20. Okay. And I moved to China randomly yes. when I was 20. Your email even has, used to have <laughs> China in it, <laughs> it right? Does. Yeah. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> and I just, honestly, I can't change it at this point because so many people have it. Totally. So I have another email that I use, but it goes the same one and then people get confused because then it comes back totally. as Sydney Olson China. I've really screwed up on that oh, one. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> and what were you doing in China? What took you over there? Yeah. So the guy that I was seeing at the time, uh, we had a friend that lived over in China okay. and he was making a lot of money um, just to teaching English. Ah, and of course. Yeah. yeah. And at the time I was a nursing assistant, I realized this was not the path for me. I, I knew that it was something that I liked, but it wasn't something that I was genuinely passionate about. Totally. So I was just at a loss of like what to do. And okay. so I decided to move to China and thought, why not? Crazy. <laughs> yeah. crazy. It, it's actually crazy to look back on because I'm like, wow, I, I kind of can't believe I did that. Yeah. And so I lived there for a year and it, during that time was actually when I decided that I wanted to start training parkour a little bit more seriously because okay. I only had to work about five to ten hours a week. Okay. And the rest of the time I was just training. And so this is when I realized how much of a love I have for this kind of movement. And okay. then when I moved back from China was actually my first time at NAPC. Mm. And that was in 2014. Okay. 
they had they didn't have a women's division so basically i think if I remember correctly, it was you did it in groups of two. You competed against battle like style. paired up, yeah, 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 yeah kind yeah, of totally. like how we did Kings of Concrete, totally. except it was like two people, and I don't know, it was very confusing to me. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> competitions have evolved a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had like a qualification round, and I ended up actually making it in, and that had surprised me because I didn't really know that I had it in me to do wow. that back then. So I ended up staying at the competition and I did okay. I mean, I didn't get last place, which was cool. Nice. And I talked to Jesse and Corey, actually. They were there and they kind of came up to me and they were very impressed that I was able to get as far as I was. And they were like, who is this? We've never met this person before. And I guess that would be weird if you just didn't know and you saw like someone that was okay. Totally, (laughs) yeah, yeah, totally. So actually after that, Jesse had got my number and he messaged me the week after and was saying that he has a music video that he was helping direct and was wondering if I would be interested in flying down and doing my first ever parkour job in LA. Oh, sick. And so obviously I said yes to this and I think it paid 500 bucks, which at the time was amazing for me. Totally. (laughs) Unheard of amounts of money at once, right? Yeah, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) To like go out and do something for a day, something that you love doing and get $500 for it. And I was just so stoked. So I did that job and immediately after decided I needed to move to LA. So uh, yeah, about a month later I moved down and kind of the rest is history. (laughs) Crazy. And so obviously you met uh, Corey and and Jesse who were obviously Tempest pro athletes at the time. Um, How did you eventually get integrated into the Tempest family as a pro athlete yourself? Did you just start training around them and you were basically absorbed or like how do you think that you you became a, a member? Yeah, it was basically like what you said. I I came down to LA and I just trained with them a lot and I would kind of make myself available for whatever they needed. Um, if they were out shooting a video, I would just kind of show up just to hang out or, okay. um, you know, I, w- I always offered my services to like help with lighting or whatever. Totally. But yeah, I stayed around and, you know, I think just over time, it just felt natural. We became really good friends and uh, it was eventually my goal. I wanted to be on the Tempest team. It w- took a while, but I was grateful for that because it made me want it and it made me train really hard. I didn't want to like give up over it. I wanted to actually get this. And so eventually Gabe told me that I could be on the team and I was so excited about it. (laughs) Yeah. Did you ever get the opportunity to train with Lucy? Oh yeah. I, I was so stoked to be able to train with Lucy. I met her right when I first moved to LA and I am always, always grateful for the way that Lucy was able to take me in as one of her own. And I was able to see her as a mentor and learn so much from her. Um, and it just never felt competitive or anything. I was just learning from this person that was just like, I wanted to be just like, so it was so amazing. And I'm still so grateful for that. Lucy and I just flew first class home from (laughs) Greece together. And we were talking about that evolution (laughs) of our friendship and just how, how grateful I am for her. Totally. And I only ask that just because obviously we're in such a male dominated sport. I'm sure like for the majority of your life, especially even when you first started, you probably didn't have a lot of other females to train around. Has that been something that is like, uh, like forced you to like, I guess, push yourself even harder? Do you enjoy being like one of the few females or do you actually enjoy the opportunity to like train with others like Lilu most recently over in Greece and stuff like that? Yeah, so I think it's evolved over time. When I first started, like I said, there was no girls involved. Uh, Lucy was someone that I knew about, but I didn't, you know, have access to her as a person, really. And where I came from, there was definitely no girls. I would try and get other ones involved, but they were just never interested. Yeah. (laughs) And so then when I moved to L.A. and I was able to train with Lucy, this, like, blew my mind, you know, that she was also, she trained just like the guys did and stuff. And 
I think when I first started, I had it in my head that, oh, I'm a girl, you know, I'll never be as good as the guys. I don't really need to try that hard. But then when I came across Lucy's videos, that's when I realized that that is just bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and, <you laughs> she know, goes so hard. She does. And she was, she was throwing all the stuff that the guys were doing, yeah. but it was like way more impressive to me that she was doing this. Totally. And so she's like definitely the reason that I started pushing myself in the first place. And I love trading with guys. I really do. I love trading with, I would say, Didi and Jeff Garrido the most because we have somewhat similar styles, and I learn a lot from them. And we just kind of pick each other's brains. We come up with lines together. Um, But it does, yeah, it definitely does make me push harder, and they constantly bring that part out of me as well. They're like, come on, I think you could do this. And just it's a very supportive environment. Um, I think training with other women now is really cool because I feel like I kind of have that position where I can help bring them up to that level as well you know like push that out of them too and then in Greece I mostly trained with the women actually uh all of the girls I got to train with a lot and yeah it's just it's so different than what it used to be but they're all pushing themselves so hard and I think it's because they grew up like in these communities of mostly men and then them totally (laughs) yeah have you seen like a, a rise in the number of women ever since you started 12 years ago collectively or is it just kind of I guess like little pockets of it based on where there's like gyms available I guess like yeah no I've definitely seen a lot more come out we had the Tempest Onlines yeah and one of the one of the months I think there was 77 women submissions Whoa, that's which a lot was crazy yeah. I haven't really seen it yet since I think it kind of that number went down a lot more I think the thing I would like to see is more women like wanting to be competitive mm-hmm. but I think that's just something that happens over time totally but as far as participation in the sport I'm always finding new women online that are doing it and they're very impressive and I just think that's so much growth with the sport. So I love to see it. That's super cool. And now obviously along the way, uh, we've alluded to your shoulder a few times. Funny enough, we ran into each other at uh, Southern California Orthopedic Institute one time. (laughs) And I was like, what are you doing here? Uh, I was in there for my shoulder. You were in there for your shoulder. Uh, What happened? I know you had like a rotator cuff repair and kind of like reconstruction of your shoulder. Like what what happened? Yeah. So I was actually working at the time. Um, I don't want to not even parkour. No, no, it wasn't. I was I was working on a TV show. It was a full run and without getting into too much details of what happened it was basically a wire gag that went pretty wrong and uh you know I didn't know it was a torn rotator cuff at first I remember getting up and being like yeah that's definitely painful um but we were actually just about to go on Christmas break so we kind of wrapped that day and then I went home and uh, I got a second opinion and it was yeah this doctor he basically told me that it was a partial tear and he did this by ultrasound so okay <clears throat> he was like yeah it's a rotator cuff injury but it's a partial tear you're fine and so then I get back and I get put on workers comp and I go in and get an MRI and find out that it was not a partial tear but meanwhile I had been doing a bunch of physical therapy for about six weeks thinking I was getting better and totally. was excited and yeah basically I found out it was a full fully torn rotator cuff and then I also had huge problems with my AC joint as well and just kind of overuse injuries and then basically yeah wire gag gone wrong yeah uh, was just the nail in the coffin for my shoulder wow crazy yeah so obviously I had to get surgery which you know I had a pretty good head on my shoulders by that time and was very accepting of it and decided that I would just use that time to meditate journal to just become a better human and yeah yeah yeah. Shoulders are a tough when people don't realize, like, I've had my knees done, and my shoulder one was probably the longest recovery in the most difficult PT, just because, like, the range of motion that it requires, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I wasn't happy to see you there, like, I, <laughs> yeah. I knew that, like, It's not good, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, that really sucks that he's yeah. going through this too, but at the same time, 
uh, there was part of me that was grateful for that because I knew like, okay, if Travis can get better and yeah. all that, I can get better too. It's, it's nice to know that there's, um, I don't even know the word for it, but it's nice to know that someone else is kind of going yeah, through yeah. the same thing as you and yeah. A hundred percent. And how's it holding up now? Like, are you able to do bars again? Do you feel pretty comfortable utilizing it or? Yeah, actually it's a hundred percent now. Um, okay. besides the little fall that I took to it last week, <laughs> yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, I've been able to train bars for a while now and I just, I feel good. It actually feels way stronger than it did before. Okay. My other one, I'm a little bit concerned about. <laughs> I know, right? Honest. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. We, we, you tend to like get this one stronger after PT and then the other one just feels a little different. Yeah. It does. Yeah. But, but yeah, it, it took a long time. I would say it was about six months before I could really do wow. anything again. Yeah, and then same. over time it kind of, you know, I think it was about a year till I felt quite normal. Yeah, it's yeah. a crazy, crazy injury. I'm glad to see that you're recovered and stuff like that. So, Thank you, you too. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. I'm dealing with like a bone spur in mine now, which kind of sucks. But um, we're trying to stay positive. Just try to like limit the amount of overuse on it. Yeah. And just try to maintain range, you know. How does, um, how does that happen, this bone spur? Uh, I, th I heard that it happens just as like a body's like natural response to kind of just like overuse or I guess just calcium just built up in a certain spot. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I also had a wire gag that went a little bit wrong. Mm. Um, and that's why I was in there the time that you saw me was I just like kind of like lost range in it. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it's these wire gags that can be a little tricky, you know. It's, <laughs> it's so like, scary. So scary. Yeah, it, it's crazy. But obviously, it's just like a part of the job. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, trying to uh, avoid any more repairs if I can, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think my my doctor was pretty surprised when he realized because I had bone spurs in mine as well from no overuse stuff but it was something I never would have known without the injury did uh, they get rid of him during yeah, uh, yeah he did wow. everything like okay. <laughs> it was crazy so did crazy. you have Dr. Gettleman I did yeah yeah, yeah. Dad, he's helped me with a knee uh M torn MCL before as well so oh my gosh yeah shout out he's, yeah shout out Dr. Gettleman <laughs> he's amazing he's a pretty straight shooter too it's cool yeah he yeah. is he is. He's pretty straight with it. Um, not to bring up another sore subject, but I know one of the other injuries that I feel like the community knew about with you was in 2019 when you injured your head <laughs> training, I believe, right? Yeah. I've always just wanted to know, like, what happened in that incident? Like, it's what was so the story? Funny. So, <laughs> 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 you can laugh about it now, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I laughed about it that day, too. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite embarrassing. Um, so <laughs> we were at South Bay. Okay. And... I was doing scoot double fulls. I wanted to do them, I don't know, off of a block, and I needed to warm them up in the foam pit first. So, you know, I'm being safe, obviously. Yes. But there's a bar in the foam pit. There's, like, a ladder that yeah. goes up, and then there's yeah, a bar yeah. that hangs over it. Yeah. So I was doing my scoot double fulls, and Eric uh, told me, like, if you push off with your hand a little bit more, then I think you'll get a little bit more height on it. So I was like, okay. So I push off with my hand a little bit more, and it sent me sideways. And... I don't know. It just I Ran hit my head in the middle of a in the double fold no in way. the foam pit, and I, <laughs> I don't know. I think back and it's kind of hilarious because I was laying down face face down in the foam pit, and I was just like, oh, I I cannot believe that just happened. Head's like killing me, and I yeah. kind of look up at my friends, and Jesse's like, oh shit, we need to get you to the hospital. And no I way. look down, there's like blood all over the foam, and I realize like, oh, my head split open. I hit it must something, be. yeah. So Jazzy comes in, I'm like about to pass out, not because of like what happened, but just because of like kind of the shock that yeah, went along course, with it. Of like, course. Oh, I didn't realize how quick your life can change in an instant. You know, that was, that was the feeling that I had. So wow. 
uh, we went to the hospital. We got it stitched up. I kind of made made it really dramatic so they'd looked they'd look at it immediately. Yeah. Because you know how if you go in the hospital sometimes they make you sit and wait. So. I've had to wait several times with some stuff where I'm like, dude, I'm bleeding out, and they're like, you're not dying. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no, I went in there. I was like, oh god, someone help me! <laughs> and they did, and yeah, I it was quite an injury. It was um, it, a lot of life lessons from that. I gotta say because okay. that was during a time. It was right after Artemotion. And I didn't understand that I was repeating this pattern of like, I want to do more, like I want to do more and never feeling satisfied with where I was at, never. And so that sort of happened and I was like, okay, maybe I need to slow down. Maybe that's what it's telling me. But so I fake slowed down for a little bit. (laughs) And as soon as I could train again, I get right into it. And again, start having this feeling of like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not worth, I'm not worthy, this, this and that. And then about a month later, after I start feeling better, finally my concussion symptoms are going away, I get yeah. into a pretty serious car accident. No way. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just driving down Inglewood Boulevard, trying to get back home, uh, and there was a car in front of me that stopped abruptly, so I stop, and I look up in the mirror, and this guy is not stopping. And just plotted, yeah. yeah, so he was going about 40 miles per hour, and he was asleep. No way. Yeah. So wow. he, he came out, and he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was asleep. And uh, all of my concussion symptoms came back. Like I got severe whiplash from that. And uh, yeah, so that was this moment. There's actually a good story that comes along with it because I was sitting there looking at my Instagram, uh, I don't know, like two days later. And there was this song playing that's called Slow Down. Yeah. And while the song was playing, there was a glitch on my Instagram and it was showing me moving way too fast. Crazy. So it was kind of this moment where the universe was like, I am not going to make this any more obvious for you. (laughs) Slow down. And so I finally took the advice of the universe and I kind of just allowed myself to go inward a little bit more and realize that I am worthy. I am enough doing exactly as I am now. I don't need to be doing, um, I don't need to be the best. I don't need to be anything external. I just need to be myself. And it was a really good lesson for me. I'm super grateful for it. And wow. now I got a cool scar on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, what was the diagnosis? Was it a bunch of stitches in your head or like? Yeah, so so at the hospital, they just, they stitched it together and it was weird. They asked me if I wanted to be diagnosed with a concussion. And I said, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they were the like, if, yeah, they gave me the option because they said, otherwise we have to keep you overnight. And I didn't want to stay overnight. And I'm also not thinking clearly at the time because I'm concussed. So I was like, yeah, I don't don't want to stay overnight. I'm fine. But it it did kind of give me issues for a while um, as far as, like, head injuries are very serious. And I think people should realize that because I think in, in our sport and in stunts, you hit your head and people are like, ah, it's whatever. Yeah. But it's, it's not. Like, those things accumulate over time. And I recently got a brain scan, actually, at Amen Clinics. No way. Yeah, and it shows that one specifically. It's, like, the biggest one, and it affects, like, cognitive, uh, like, memory and uh, focus and all that. So it really affects all of that. Wow. And then I have, like, four other unhealed gnarly concussions. No way. Apparently, they just kind of never really heal. And you can see it on the brain scan. Yeah. Oh, Lord. I'm so terrified of getting one because I've had a lot of major ones. And, yeah, yeah, I've had some bad ones. I had one where I lost, uh, my eyes were open, but I couldn't see for 10 hours. Oh, my God. 11 hours. And how do you deal with something like that? (sighs) I just waited it out, just terrified. Like, thought my whole life changed, for lack of a better term, you know? Not to be selfish, but I was like, wow, I'm never going to see again. This is crazy. Like... Um, I had one where I went numb head to toe for like half an hour. Well, and how did that one like, happen? Uh, a ratchet backwards fell onto my neck. And yeah, there was some uh, error with the rig. And 
yeah, every time these happen now, I'm just like, oh man, like I can't believe your life can change in the glimpse of a second, you know? Yeah. Um, we're also just very worried about the long-term stuff because there's obviously like CTE studies on football players and stuff like that, but not necessarily on people in our profession in the stunt world, so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I think about that a lot because there was that documentary about, oh, what's his name? Was it Aaron something, Aaron yeah. Hernandez? Yeah, 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 totally, football and, player, yeah. Yeah, and it's so scary to think that, um, you know, football players, we probably have the same amount of head yeah. injuries For reals. a lot of those guys. So it's something that I'm very proactive about now. Uh, I'm, I definitely take care of my brain. I do what I need to do. Like I eat the right kind of foods for it. Yeah. And I just make sure to rest when I need to. And, you know, like just take care of yourself. I think that's the biggest thing. And if you have totally. a head injury, then take the time to come back. There's no rush. Yes. A hundred percent. And now obviously I don't mean to make this about age by any means. Um, but I do know, like, as you kind of alluded to earlier in the episode, uh, comparatively next to some of your other competitors, uh, you're significantly older than some of them at this point. Like how is your body holding up overall with the exception of the head injuries and the shoulder that we talked about? Yeah. So it's actually holding up quite well, better than I expected it would. And I think a lot of that is to do with, I take much better care of myself now than I used to. I think, because I started training when I was 17, and I feel like I had a lot of ankle injuries back then because I wasn't very strong, just trying everything, but now I weight lift, and I eat a very, like, I I make sure to eat enough, I eat, like, a very well-rounded diet, and I do my best to just make sure that I'm in good shape for what I'm doing, and I try and actually take rest when I need it. I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned, because it doesn't help if you're just constantly sore all the time, and you're constantly in pain. It's like how good are you if you're just going to keep doing that you need to actually rest so that's been one of the biggest things for me but I think I actually got better with age like at 26 I remember was kind of a pivotal time for me like where I started getting way more strong and like way more competent in my movement so I don't know when my prime is if it's already happened or if it's going to happen later on but all I know is I'm just going to keep doing it and uh as long as I can until my body says no. <laughs> yeah, 100. And so how many days a week are you cross training, I guess, to keep your body like maintained? Yeah, so I, I weight lift about four times a week. And okay. then like I have some conditioning on top of that. So I do I would say I do more of that than I do parkour at this rate. Yeah. Um, and then parkour right now, I'm probably only training like three times a week. Okay. It used to be the opposite. I feel like I used to train parkour six days a week. And I mean, it was good back then. It was really good for confidence. But at the same time, I feel like I'm just as strong now as I was back then without having to do all of that. Totally. Yeah. And so then um, I make sure to do yoga every day okay. and that helps a lot. And yeah. And at this point, even your training uh, in parkour, even if it's more limited, what's the uh, ratio you train inside of a gym comparative to like outside concrete training? Yeah, um, it, it fluctuates a lot right now since I'm back from Europe. I don't know. I haven't really gotten to a routine of anything yet, but I would like it to be more outdoors than inside. Um, inside's great for using mats and stuff. And I, I'm not ashamed to use mats for <laughs> training totally. because I think it's, you know, like if, if we're talking about longevity, yeah. It's really important to be able to save your joints because after Art of Motion, that was three days of taking like a lot of impact. And yes. I definitely felt it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's yeah, I would like it to be a little bit more outdoor as I get ready for NAPC and just get confident with like physical challenges outside. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be too picky about whether or not it's indoors or outdoors. I don't really care as long as I'm getting something in. And at this stage in your career, are, this, are you still chasing any specific moves, I guess, for lack of a better term? Or are you just training for the fun of it? So, yeah, I, I'm mostly training for the fun of it. It is funny, though, because when I was in 
the Netherlands. We were staying with Noah, who's, yes. you know, you know Noah. Of yeah. course, yeah. Yeah, she's a legend. But uh, I stayed with her family, and we went to uh, her gym, and there was this perfect height from, like, this wall. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wall <laughs> to an airbag. And I was working on my double corks, which I haven't done in so long. Yeah. Uh, the last time I did a double cork outside was in 2017. And then I did one again, partially tore my ACL. Wow. And since then, I haven't really done them outside. Not even really trained them much since then. But anyway, so in 2017, I took them to concrete, and I didn't land it in the video that we made. Like, I remember I tried four times, and they were getting so bad. And You You just, like, abandoned this move today. Yeah, the technique was pretty (laughs) shit. Um, I was going for it, which... Good on you, you know? Yeah, exactly. But, but now it's like a very different perspective on this because I want to actually have good technique before I take something outside. So anyway, I swear I'm getting to the point with this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so then I eventually took it to, to um, what do you call that, like wood chips? Yeah, And yeah. I landed it, but I never landed on concrete. Okay. And I didn't really care until recently. And ah. so I did this at the gym, and I thought for sure, like, I was going to fall. I even told Noah, like, look at this. I'm going to mess this up. Like, I haven't done this in so long. And I go for the double cork, and I landed it. And then I landed all 10 that I did that day. And was like, wow, I did not know that I could do that. Because every time I've tried in the past, I get lost, and I don't know where I'm at. So my goal, I would say, is to actually take my double cork outside to concrete, again, in the same spot that I did it in 2017, Uh. and land it. And I think that would just be a really cool moment for me to be like, hey, you know what? Age doesn't matter, and yes. your belief systems are bullshit sometimes, and you just got to work through them. So, that's yeah, that's my goal is to get that back. And as far as other moves, I'm not really chasing that so much. I'm just kind of doing what feels right. Okay. Uh, on the one of the days that we were out there, I did a Sukahara to our I know. Ground, which, I saw that. That yeah. ended the video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where that came from. I just I don't know. We were finishing up the videos at the end of the day too, wow. which was crazy. But um, I saw the hype for it and was like, oh, I could do that. Like, I know I can do it. And so just decided to go for it. Crazy. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to learning new moves. I would always like to. But I'm going to do it based off of, like, you know, an idea rather mm-hmm. than, like, oh, I need to learn this because so-and-so does this or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so, obviously, being a two-time Art of Motion winner, I'm sure a lot of people look up to you and watch you as inspiration. Uh, Is there anyone that you watch out in the community currently, and do you stay up to date with all the videos and things that come out? Yeah, I do, but sometimes I don't. I feel like I'm uh, very bad at it. Uh, There was a lot of people at Art of Motion that I look up to. Verky is one of them. He was so good. And also Ed Scott is someone that I just wish to move like. He's such a tank. <laughs> he's crazy. Yeah. yeah, he's amazing. But for the most part, I, you know, I have my little L.A. community that I okay. train with and stuff. Like uh, Jeff and Dee Dee, I was inspired by their movement. But, yeah, I feel like I – Lee Lu is someone, too, that right now she's really inspiring me. You know, totally. she's she's doing a lot. Like she just did Manpower, which yep. is so dope. So, so cool. Yeah, so yeah. dope. I love watching Hazal. Her okay. movement's very different than mine. I love to watch it and kind of – take notes i guess yeah 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 100 that's super cool and now obviously you've had such success within the parkour free running communities um you now are making the transition to doing stunt work full-time is that like what the ultimate goal is right now i guess for a career or what would you say your your career goal is currently yeah so i've been working in stunts for the past eight years almost actually okay. so it's i mean it's been on and off it's always been somewhat consistent since i would say probably five years um okay 
I I don't really have a goal to like do it full time or anything. There I have done runs in the past and um, I'm working on things on and off. But at the same time, I don't really know what my goal is with it. Like if I was offered something, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. But I don't want to be a slave to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's people that go run to run to run. And maybe it's great for them, but it's not great for me. Someone that's been on a run, like I need also my free time and I need to be able to train and I need to be able to read. I need to be able to go on walks with my husband. Like these are things that are important to me. So as much as I love to work, I also love to have a lot of freedom in my life. So I'm not, yeah, I don't really know exactly what my goals are with that. I'd love to keep working, but also be able to have control of my life. <laughs> it's a unique perspective because like it took me 10 years to realize that I needed the freedom because I used to just go back to back to back to back. And uh, from the outside, people are like, you're making astronomical amounts of money, which I was. Um, but mentally, I was just really, really lost and broken for lack of a better term, uh, almost spending money to be happy and like just losing my sanity and my uh, vision of self uh, and also not having the ability to train, which was like, it's really, really difficult when you're on these runs, like you're just so tired most of the time. So yeah it's cool you're figuring it out younger you know what was that change for you like what made you realize that um man it's kind of a slap in the face but I kind of just realized that I had missed out on a lot of things like I came home and saw my parents a lot older um saw like my mom and dad and I was like holy crap like my dad significantly older than what I used to remember him as and I live in the same city as them they live in LA and so that really hit me hard because a lot of our friends have don't have the luxury of seeing their parents a 10 minute drive away Um, and I guess like driving to see my parents and seeing how much they had aged just because I kept putting my head down and taking these jobs out of town, um, was something that was kind of humbling to me where I was like, man, I'm missing out on a lot of stuff. Um, friends stop calling you because they just assume you're always busy. Mm -hmm. You know, you just become that guy that everyone assumes isn't even in town. And, uh, yeah, I just started realizing like, wow, like what's more important to me? Like having the opportunity and all of these credits or like having the freedom of choice to, you know have the choice to like not miss out on weddings and I've missed out on funerals and I missed out on a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have. So, yeah, I yeah. can, I can completely relate to that too. I mean, I didn't, I didn't go for long before I realized that this is definitely something that's important to me. Yeah. You know, like I need that work life balance in my life. And I think our industry is really special because it, it, it's almost like you don't notice that it's being taken away from you. Totally. When people are working a normal nine to five, they're aware. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. But we're like, oh, but it's so cool that we get to do this, which it is. I'm and traveling. And yeah, 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 exactly. Totally. I'm always grateful for it. But at the same time, like I said, I think it's really, really important to have that balance. And I don't want that to be taken away. I want to be able to turn down work if I want to. And mm. you know what? Like, I still make good amount of money totally which is crazy yeah, you know like you yeah. don't have to work all the time to make good money I think that's like the biggest lesson that I've learned in life <laughs> it's really cool you're figuring that out at like a younger age because like I said it took me way too long to figure it out and uh, same thing as you I thought wow I have to work all the time in order to make money but now I work like a couple days a week maybe there's a week or two where I don't even work but I have no complaints right like I still love my life I have a great standard of living and uh yeah, we're, we're very blessed. It's cool to see, though, that people, it's becoming more commonplace. People are putting their mental health first and yeah. their personal lives. I know Gabe right now from, from your team, obviously, CEO of Tempest, he's just in Texas getting away, relaxing before he comes back to do a show in L.A. You know? Yeah, yeah. He told me that he was going to make sure that that happened and, yeah. like, he would turn down work for it. And yeah. I think it's hard to turn it down, too. I've done yeah. it before, but it's really hard to do that. It's yes. like, because there's, I don't know, there's part of me that's, like, doesn't want to miss out on these 
trips because I, I travel quite a lot and I feel like every single time I've booked a trip somewhere I will get a call for work <laughs> it's the curse of the work of course yeah they say if you want to work book a trip you'll get a call so. oh my god always yeah, always yeah <laughs> so sometimes though they're willing to fly me from that location so I've had it happen before where I had just booked a trip to see my family up in Seattle okay and I, I literally I swear to god like 10 minutes later, I got a call to work in San Francisco or something like the day after I would arrive at my parents' house. And so I was going to be up there for like 10 days, which is a long time to be with my family. I love them so much. Oh, my God. (laughs) So anyway, so I I told them, like, I'm willing to work if you're willing to fly me from Seattle. And uh, they actually did. So I flew up to Seattle. I was there for less than a day. I went to San Francisco. I worked for a day, flew back to Seattle, and then was able to hang out with my family for the rest of the time. So So cool. I feel like sometimes it can work like that. But there's also, it's so interesting with that, because I think a lot of that comes down to belief systems, too, of Mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's it, it. Work always interrupts my travel, or work always does this. But it's not totally. trusting that it'll work out in perfect timing. Maybe sometimes it's a lesson for you. Like, are you really going to choose work over something that you find really important, or like, what's yes. more important here? Really, you have to think about that. So, has there been a job that stands out as in your mind as your most favorite? I guess thus far, or one that was like, I guess the most enjoyable for you? Yeah, I worked on uh, Star Girl season two. Totally. Um, yeah, yeah, I got to do the yeah, run yeah. of that. Uh, Christina and I kind of tag teamed on the second team on the second uh, season. She did the first and she did the third. Um, but I loved it. Like I, I did love working on that. It was like I said, it was a run, so it was a long time, and you don't feel as like free to do other things. But what I learned on that is like I, I just can't even believe how much I learned on that job. You know, yeah. like I got way better at wire stuff. I learned to be a better performer because of Walter. He really pushes you. Yeah. And I think that was definitely a takeaway from that. But as far as like a social media job that I've actually done in the past, I got to go skydiving with the U.S. Army. No way. For what? It was just like, they reached out to me. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, and they like, were, you want to skydive? Yeah. And they, they basically asked me if I wanted to do this. And like the amount that they paid me was amazing. And uh, yeah, I flew to, uh, what is that? Was it North Carolina? I think it was North Carolina. Okay. And we jumped out of a plane and wow. I just got to like, document the experience and that was it and it was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done like as you're free falling you're kind of looking around there's soldiers everywhere and you're just like what like what is my life so crazy (laughs) yeah we get to do cool shit it's pretty it's pretty awesome right how cool is your life that's pretty cool yeah Yeah. that is pretty cool yeah yeah that's crazy um and so like what advice would you have for someone that's like you know maybe listening whether they're like a young adolescent girl that wants to get into this sport and you know may view it as like a male dominated uh, arena like what advice would you have for someone that's out there trying to look into getting into this sport and then just in general regardless of gender like what advice do you have for people that are just starting off um from the perspective of you know an art emotion world champion you know (laughs) Well, for the girls, I would say you can always follow a lot of girls on social media. There's, if you even just type in the hashtag girl parkour, you'll find a lot of like really, really good women that are in the sport. Yeah. So it also, it feels a lot better than it used to for me because for me, I'd feel like I didn't have that, you know, like I had Lucy, but I didn't really see it often. And yeah, now yeah. you could, yeah, there's women everywhere in parkour. So you can constantly look up and view these people and what they're doing and kind of see how they train. But I think the biggest thing is just deciding that you don't need to be intimidated by a lot of these men. Like a lot of these men are very, very supportive. If they're not, then go find some other ones. Like, you know what I mean? Totally, it's, yeah. It doesn't have to be complicated in that way. And I think just doing it because you enjoy it and like find the things that you do enjoy and just train those and, uh, you know, don't be afraid to experiment. I think I got good because 
I trained the things that I sucked at. Oh, sorry. I trained the things that I sucked at, and I just kept trying. You know, I kept trying different things. And I think two of the best things about parkour is that uh, one, you don't get better without confronting a lot of your fears, and two is that there's a lot, a lot, a lot of trial and error. So anything that you're doing, each time that you do something, you're getting feedback and you're getting better. Yes. So I think those are the biggest takeaways that I have just for everybody in the sport is like, just keep trying. Like you're going to fail a lot and that's just goes for life too. Um, you need to fail so you can get the feedback so that you can keep trying. Um, learn how to fall correctly. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I think is the biggest thing. Learn how to fall. Um, learn how to land well. Yes. <laughs> that too. Yes. And you'll be fine. Amazing. Yeah. Super invaluable advice from someone whose opinion obviously means a lot in this sport. Um, and that's super cool. I really appreciate you coming to share your perspective and lend some stories and insight to everyone on your own personal history. I know that you've been an inspiration to a lot of people around the world. So I'm just glad that we got the chance to share it here with our audience. So thanks for coming through. Well, thank you so yeah. much. Uh, this is a question I always ask everyone before we leave. And uh, I'm also curious because not only just when art in motion, I know you're recently a married woman. Um, so where do you see yourself five years from now? And where do you see yourself 10 years from now? And that could be life or career. Yeah, um, it's, it's very hard. That's a hard question. I feel like in the past, I always had like a five year and a 10 year plan. And I've been right about a lot of it, but then very incorrect about a lot of those <laughs> things. And that was a good thing totally. that I was wrong about them because it's almost like, I didn't dream big enough and uh, you know things were like better than expected so for me I think it's important to have like a direction in life obviously so that way you can aim for something but uh, I don't know as far as like where I see myself there's just certain goals like in five years I'd love to have a house yeah. um, I don't have a house right now I'd love to have a house I assume I'll be in LA still and still working and still doing what I'm doing now I don't know if I'll be competing anymore I don't know any of that but I'm open to the idea that I don't really know and that like I can trust that these opportunities will come for me to help me feel like I'm in alignment and to help me to help sort of guide me to the direction that I'd like to go. Totally. Um, for 10 years around, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm like trying to figure out the words. Um, in 10 years from now, I'll be 39, wow. um, which is crazy. Yeah. I'm sure I'll probably have a kid by then, maybe. Okay. I, I want to, but it's also like one of those things that's really hard because, you know, like you have... You have to pause out. your life. Yeah. yeah, you do. So I I would like that to be a thing in 10 years, but if it's not, I'm also open to that too. I, I think I'm just giving you the worst answer right now. Is that <laughs> like I literally do not It's an know. honest one. It's the best, yeah. Yeah, it's honest. Like there's just a lot of things that I'm still confused about, like as far as direction in my life. But one thing that I do know is that in the present, I feel very happy. I feel very grateful. And I'm just glad to be doing what I'm doing. So I'm sure that, you know, five, ten years from now, it'll continue to be that for me. Like, I'll, you know, figure out what I do enjoy and I'll continue doing that. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's all about being happy. That's the, what matters the most more than anything. So yeah. Hopefully you can continue to stay healthy and happy and everything will be all well in the world. So. Thank you, you too. Thank you, I appreciate it. Um, so before we get out of here, can you look in this camera and let people know where they can continue to stay up to date with your own personal journey and follow along with everything you got going on in your life? Yeah, so on Instagram, which is probably what I'm most active on, you can follow me at Sydney Olson one I have a YouTube channel as well. I'm not as much active on there, but you can also follow that. It's just, I don't know, you just type it into YouTube, Sydney Olson. <laughs> and then um, I'm actually coming out with my own podcast very soon. It's called Collecting Scars Podcast, and I'm sure it'll be on whatever uh, podcast or Spotify you can find. Hell yes. Yeah. 
Guys, with that being said, please be sure to hit that like button, comment, subscribe for brand new episodes each every week. Join us every Monday for Jam Breakdowns and every Friday for brand new Jamcast, entering influential members of the Moon Meat community like Miss Sydney Olsen herself. So with that being said, guys, got to give one more very special shout out. Thanks for coming through. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hell yes. And as always, guys, coming at you, coming through, I'm your host, Travis Wong. Thanks for joining us here in another Jamcast. Until next time, we'll see you all soon. Peace.